Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. You were jealous of a dude that had a fanny pack. I was so jealous of the fanny pack. Lights 107.1. We're Taylor and Jen doing important Christmas science. Well, we're going to talk about Christmas treats. Taylor is like, hey, Jen, I found this map, which, you know, if it's a map, it's it's science, it's science and geography, so it's it's learning. This is from that that bastion of scientific research, Zipia.com, that I found it on. And I yeah, don't even you know did. what that website is. <laughs> Which was linked from fatherly.com. From fatherly.com. So it's a really good partnership of scientific research. And they basically took every state and figured out, okay, who is searching more than any other state for these various Christmas treats? So what is the favorite Christmas treat? From each individual yeah. state. There's a lot of like peppermint variations well, of things. Yeah, our friends to the north up in Minnesota, peppermint kiss cookies. Mm-hmm. I can get behind I that. I could eat those. Yep, I, could, I could get behind that. There are some confusing ones. Uh, Utah's favorite Christmas treat is the Jolly Rancher. What? And I, I don't. What? I mean, do you Utahans not know that you can get those any time of the year? Uh, maybe not. Maybe they can't get them any time of year, and that's just what they do. But then, you know, you go up to Washington and it's Skittles. Skittles! So, what? some people need some education on what actual Christmas treats are. How is that even in the search parameters? Skittles is a Christmas treat. Do they put them on something? Do they maybe put they, them in they something? put them on the Christmas tree. Maybe it's when they decorate gingerbread houses. They use you Skittles, Skittles You put the on buttons the on the gingerbread man's suit. Here I am trying to justify why no. Washingtonians are Googling... Washingtonians? S- is that what they're called? Well, what would we call them? Washingtonites? Washingtonians. I like that better. Well, Washingtonites is you know. what I need to do on Saturday. <laughs> Science says... Every state has their own favorite Christmas treat that they, the way they find this is they figure out who's searching the most for stuff on Google. Right. And that, that's the mark of mm-hmm. what your favorite Christmas treat is. But Iowa's, I think, makes plenty of sense. Oh, Iowa's is unique to Iowa. No other state likes the same thing as Iowa. So this is your chance to guess what is Iowa's favorite Christmas treat. I think this is going to be overlooked because it's so common. Snickerdoodle cookies. You are the second guess in a row for Snickerdoodles. Yeah. Am I the second wrong person? You're the you second are. wrong person. It's okay, though. It's okay because <laughs> Snickerdoodles should be up there, and they're not. It's not anywhere. It's not anywhere. The closest we've got is South Dakota. Theirs is the sugar cookie. Oh, well, those are boring. Uh, a sugar cookie is a boring Snickerdoodle. <laughs> That's what it's it is. Without the cinnamon. Yeah. A sugar cookie is someone saying, I'm too lazy to do anything with this cookie. Let's dump sugar on it. They say baking is a science. Mm-hmm. But this morning, science is talking about baking. Because, who is it? Fatherly.com. Fatherly.com. There's a website called Zipia.com. Zipia.com. Not entirely sure where this map came from, but we're pretty sure it's reliable. They figured out what every state of our country's favorite Christmas treat was by the number of people who Googled things. So we want to know. What do you think? Is Iowa's favorite Christmas treat. Little Debbie snack cake shape in the shape of a Christmas tree. (laughs) That's Taylor's favorite. You are speaking my language right about now. I know. We go through boxes and boxes of them. Oh, man. I need one of those in my life right now. so funny. I can walk by Little Debbie's any day of the year, but at Christmas time when I see them, I'm like, 
I have to have one. It's the exact same food. It's just a zebra cake shaped like a tree, but it is delicious. No, they're different. They taste different. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's the shape. It changes the flavor. I love yep, it. it does. <laughs> All right, Melissa, do you think you know what Iowa's favorite Christmas treat is? I do. I think it's got to be one of our dipped ball treats, like peanut butter balls or Oreo balls. Oh. <gasps> You are right. Melissa, you're the first one that got it right. Am I really? Yes. Oreo balls are Iowa's favorite treat. Of course they are. Everybody loves them, right? Thank you. Melissa, you are a true Iowan. Well done. You are uh, impressive. I'm a teacher. One of my associates actually brought Oreo balls to work this week. Oh, Oh. you're so lucky. Oh, man. That's fantastic. Congratulations. You win our um, undying... Love and support and applause and admiration. You know what? For a teacher, that's all I need to make my day a little brighter. Bless your heart. There you go. Thank you for what you do. So there I am. Oh, boy. Standing in an airport with some friends. We're on a, a trip in Honduras. And I looked over and usually this has been something that I would make fun of. I would joke about. I was given one for free and I was like, oh, ha ha. I'll never use this. But somebody had a fanny pack. No. <laughs> I know, th- and that's the reaction. You say fanny pack, and we'd be like, oh, yeah. Tourist, you know, mom of 12 on a, an amusement park trip. You've got your fanny pack. And I looked Dad at him. Of 12. And I was like, I could 100% find a lot of uses for that. Because I'm carrying, you know, like, especially when you're traveling, like you've got all your documents and your, your plane tickets and your this and your that. And it's just one handy spot. I don't have to swing my backpack around to get it. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I realized this thing that I have made so many jokes about and laughed at so much is suddenly like, I need it. You need it. You were jealous of a dude that had a fanny pack. I was so jealous of the fanny pack. Okay, this is just proof that sometimes what goes around comes around. Okay. All right. Okay. So you were... Slightly jealous of your traveling companion's fanny pack. All of a sudden, I realized how useful that would be. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I I am not even lying about this. Do you know when the very first fanny pack was in a print advertisement in the United States of America? 1983. (laughs) You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. But oh, no. No. 19. 54. Wow. In 1954, the very first fanny pack appeared in an advertisement in Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated. (laughs) It is on a very (laughs) interestingly dressed gentleman. Okay. The the advertisement claims that he's going cross-country skiing. With a fanny pack. Yes. I mean, the fanny pack actually became so popular that Gucci made a fanny pack. Now, they called it a belt bag. Naturally. Right, okay. Gucci belt bag. Nike, you know, all the, they, they became kind of a fashion icon. Wow. And then it wasn't until the 90s. In the 90s, people started laughing at them because they were ubiquitous. They were everywhere. And, yeah. you know, when something becomes so mainstream, somebody has to start laughing at it. Yeah, suddenly it's not cool anymore. But the fanny pack, actually, a fanny pack mm-hmm. was found on mummified remains. No. Five thousand years no! ago. No. <laughs> no. Pharaoh's rolling around in his fanny pack. Telling Israel I've got more brick materials in here. Is that what's going on? It goes out 
and then it comes back in. What goes around comes around. It's these fashion things. I was really excited when the scrunchie came back in. And a good friend of mine, her daughter, who was six or seven, was really wanting these hip scrunchies. And so she finally got her some. And a couple days later, she comes back to school all excited. Mom, did you know you can wear these in your hair? (laughs) (laughs) If this were a thesis, it would be titled... In defense of the fanny pack. Yeah, Jill, you want to defend the fanny pack? I had the opportunity to take my family to New York City in 2017. I used to live there. And I I did bring the fanny pack. And I did wear it. And it was quite handy and extremely dorky. Did they give you a hard time about your fanny pack? Yeah, they did. Did But I didn't care. Did you lose any of your stuff? No, I didn't lose anything. I kept it all. But I do like the term belt bag. That's a little more updated, it sounds, I yeah. think. This is my belt bag. You know, yeah. If you want with belt bag, you can go with belt bag. <laughs> Got my belt bag. This is a belt bag. Don't you dare call it a fanny pack. <laughs> I'd never found myself in this sort of dilemma before. You had a dilemma? I did, because I was sitting down and I, I was getting all of the, the gift wrapping done. And I was very excited because I YouTubed how to perfectly wrap a present. And I'd done a pretty good job. And so you've gift wrapped things. I've gift wrapped some stuff, but I also went to one of those stores that has the complimentary gift wrap option, and the presents were very beautifully wrapped. Yes, mine was very beautifully wrapped. And they came with gift tags. These nice little gold gift tags with the sticky on the back that you could just put right there on the present. What's what's the dilemma about that? Because the stuff that I wrapped by hand, I didn't have gift tags. You don't have gift tags? No, I've never had gift tags. You guys don't have gift tags? Well, see, I always grew up that the way you mark a present is you cut out a little square of the same color wrapping paper, you fold it in half, you write the person's name on the inside, and then you tape it to the front of the box. But next did to the like, did you and I grow up in the same house? Because that's pretty much how that my mom. Did? That's how my mom okay. did it. Because that right next to the beautiful branded gift tag looked really cheapo. Because I can't even cut in straight lines, so like the the lines of the foldy paper match up. But then as I made that, I was like, but I can't write someone's name on the wrapping paper. Oh no. No, you can't write it. Like, there's patterns there. You can't read a name tag in patterns. you got to write on the white side of the paper. Taylor, have you ever noticed they have these things called Sharpies? Still, it gets lost. <laughs> it gets lost. If you've got a wintry forest scene or some buffalo check, that pen's going to disappear, Jen. Well, the pen also disappears. Well, yeah, it does. I the mean, pen. you have one Sharpie at Christmas time to write stuff, and it's gone. And then the tape goes away, oh, and I then know. the, the scissors those... go away. What? Gift wrapping is a chaotic time. <sighs> Where do they go? <laughs> you find yourself in a conundrum. Mm. You have this wrapped gift in front of you, and now you have to decide... You gonna try to find a gift tag to put on that thing? I <laughs> mean, funny. really? Are we just at the point where we're just writing right on the box? Sometimes I try to do the foldy paper method, where you cut out <laughs> some of the the wrapping and you fold it in half and just write their name on the inside. That's legitimate. Or you can do what Kelly did. It's not a new level of low. It's a new level of creativity. Oh, I actually had a pretty box that my mom's sweater was in. And I couldn't find any more gift tags. And I thought, okay, I'm done. Like, I, I don't have any more. So I grabbed the stack of Post-it notes and thought, Mom, I'm doing the best I can. And I was going to write on it. And I went to the, the bottom Post-it note was green. There so you I go. used a red Sharpie. Well done. Can anybody 
expect more this year? I mean, really, Kelly? You know what? My gifts honestly look pretty good, but by the time they get three hours away in the car with two dogs, my whole family, and food and a cooler, nobody comments if it's mangled. <laughs> like, it's just the thought that counts. When you're wrapping Christmas presents, why is it that you always lose all the stuff? It's weird because wrapping Christmas presents, you're not getting up and walking around. No. Like you get your supplies, you plant yourself on the floor or at the the table table or the ottoman or wherever there's enough flat space in your house. And you get busy. And then what happens? Your scissors go missing. You lose the scissors, you lose the tape, you lose the gift tags if you've got them, you lose the ribbon, you you lose your presents. I mean, everything gets lost while you're wrapping. I don't get it. Well, Sharon has some advice on this. Honey, you don't need scissors. What? What? You don't need scissors. I watched my dad wrap. He did all the wrapping. Without scissors. When I was growing up. Nope. He would take the tube of paper, make the crease, and he had a knife. He'd slide it right across that little crease. Of and course he had a knife. So much faster, and it's nice and even. And Was this a knife that he kept in his pocket? No, no. No? No, no. He went and got the, got a knife out of the kitchen. Oh, really? Oh, a kitchen this knife. Just a kitchen knife. <laughs> Not a serrated one, because that'll tear it. <laughs> yeah, serrated no, would that, be a problem. That's no good. <laughs> like, a, like a steak knife or a, a kitchen knife? A paring knife. A long knife. Yeah. With a nice edge, and he, yep, it will save you tons of time. Is that how you do it, too, now? It is. That's how all my sisters do it. Let's face it. We've gotten to the point in the season where if you're still wrapping presents, you you might not care so much. Yeah, the first few, you have worked really hard, perfectly tied bows. But you reach a point where you're like, I don't know, do we have any Do we have any newspaper? Do we still get one of those? Is there any more wrapping paper? Is there a bag that doesn't say TJ Maxx on it? And if you found that you are out of gift tags, Laura has a helpful tip. I've taken some wrapping paper and turned it so the white side will be up. It gets a little kooky because a lot of the wrapping paper has the lines on it now. I know. You could just cut the name out in bubble letters and then tape it on. And then it looks super fancy. And if you want to take that up a notch, then you cut the letters so they're still connected. So it's one long name. Ooh. Have you done this? Um, I've done the individual letters. I might have tried the other one and then had to um, go a different route. (laughs) Yep, that's a lot of work. That's like some people's first line of creativity. (laughs) That's your last line of creativity? I I would be afraid to put my packages next to yours. No, I'm just uh, running out of tags. What can I use? (laughs) They had prayed and prayed and prayed for five years. To get pregnant. Wow. Talking about Andrew Ripp and his wife. He sings the song Jericho. He's got a new song out called Rejoice. And he and his wife went through five years of praying that they would be able to get pregnant. Never able to get pregnant. They did end up adopting a daughter, Francis. And he said the shift happened for him about four years into this series of praying where it stopped being God, give me what I want the way I wanted. But God, give me you and your presence. And he said, this is what happened after they changed that focus. Suddenly, we were genuinely open to having a breakthrough in a way that we hadn't seen yet. And we get a phone call from an adoption agency that we had met with maybe a year prior and never turned in any, pa- any paperwork. Oh, wow. Like we were in the system waiting. He huh. just called us to say, family's getting ready to have a baby, looking for a home, and we thought of you. So they called. I was off writing a song that day, and my wife got the phone call. By the time I got home, she had already turned in all of our paperwork. <laughs> it was amazing. Wow. So 
a week after that, we get the phone call saying that they chose us and that they didn't want to meet with anybody else. And then the next day we had a home study, which usually takes forever. It usually takes like six months to do a home study. But we didn't have six months, so they did it in like four hours. Wow. Yeah, they had to rush the whole process. Then it was Thanksgiving 2018, maybe a couple days after that. And she was actually born while we were eating Thanksgiving dinner. She came early. Hmm. So we caught a red eye back home, stopped at a friend's house on the way up to the hospital and literally borrowed like four diapers and a car seat. Hmm. That's all we had. Adoption isn't the end result for everybody with fertility issues. But I will say, man, for me, if it wasn't for that season, we probably wouldn't have adopted, hmm. which is a major bummer. Now that I know how beautiful it is and how exactly right on point it is for me and my wife and our family, to think that I could have missed that if it wasn't for the pain, bro, bring the pain on. You know, listening to Andrew Ripp talk about what he and his wife went through in their years of infertility and the heartache and the anguish, and then he was talking about how, you know, he would take those five years of pain all over again to be able to be close to God. It makes me ask myself a question. Would I forego all of the comfort of this world just to experience the peace of being lockstep with God? That's a big question to ask yourself. We have a lot of comfort in this Western world. I've had a lot of comfort my entire life. A lot of that comfort and a lot of that ease of my life uh, was extremely shaken in the wake of my divorce. I went from being in a secure place to an insecure place. And in the year after my divorce, I faced things that I never in in a million years ever thought that I would have to face. Mm. Loneliness, financial insecurity, shame, guilt, watching my children be just devastated. I've never felt like I was in such inky blackness than after that. And then the healing process began and God pulled me closer and closer and closer to him. And I remember a day where I felt so close to God in the midst of the financial insecurity and the aching loneliness and watching my children struggle and and a pandemic. But I felt so close to God that day because I had seen where he had brought me in a year. And the peace that came with that realization was something that I had never experienced before. And I have been a believer. It feels like forever. And I spend almost every day of my life since that day wanting to get back to that exact feeling. Mm. I think we will, we will feel that someday when we're with heaven and we're one with Christ. But for now, I want to be able to answer that question. Would you give up all of the comfort in the world just to experience the fullness of the peace of Christ? I want to be able to answer that with a yes. If I'm perfectly honest, this time of year, I can experience a little bit of guilt. Really? Because the time comes to start decorating our house, Mm -hmm. and I spend the decoration time on the couch watching it happen. 
Why is that, Taylor? Because Lindsay does all of the decorating for us. Like, literally, she, she does it all, and I sit and I watch her, and she wants to do it that way. And I'll be like, Lindsay, I am happy to help you if you want me to, but if you don't want me to, I am super happy to just sit here and listen to music and read a book. Let's think about this. Why do you think your lovely wife doesn't want you to help? Because she got high standards. (laughs) And you... Am not her. <laughs> it's listen. It, it has nothing to do with my ability to decorate. Are you sure? It has everything to do with me not being her. Have you seen the one part of your office I that know, you decorate? I know. I would make a mistake, but Martha Stewart could come in there, and Lindsay would still be like, "No, I'm doing this." You really think that? Yes. You really, has, Martha Stewart. She has specific <laughs> visions of how she wants to decorate, and ain't nobody gonna tell her different. <laughs> Set the scene. It's the happiest time of the mm-hmm. year. You're in your house decorating for Christmas. Are you doing it alone or is it a team sport? Part of it's team. I prefer to decorate the house myself, but the kids are in charge of all the windows, like the decals and stuff. Oh, oh. you do the window decals. <laughs> and then the tree is a team sport. How old are your kids? Four, eight, and ten. You have a four-year-old helping with the Christmas tree, huh? <laughs> yes, it is. It's, it's interesting. I, I bet it is. <laughs> so you can tell which side of the tree she does, but it's just covered. <laughs> I mean, there's no tree. You can't see any tree. I think it was Saturday. I was just kind of going around the house, doing my Christmas decorating, mm-hmm. watching my Christmas movie. At that point, I can't remember what it was because I always decorate alone at Christmas time. I okay. always I always do. It's you're, just it's just my deal. You're a lone decorator. And I have two almost fully adult children who have their own lives and they both worked on Saturday. So I was alone in the house, Bagel the Beagle, Jen, Maggie the Big Fat Orange, Tabby Cat, and he's not helping. He was hurting <laughs> as a matter of fact because he kept trying to eat the lights. And I was doing my decorating and I was happy. And then my daughter came home. Oh. And she walked in, she put her keys in the bowl, and she put her bag on the table, and she looked around, and she's like, Mom, it looks great. Aww. I was like, thanks, Piper. She's like, yeah. Hold on. She walks over to the box of Christmas ornaments, picks one out, puts it up on the tree, dusts off her hands, looks at me, and says, now I can say I helped. <laughs> The Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.